And I'm talking here with Jeff Martin, and uh, the list of bands you've been in, Jeff, is is impressive. Long and, and your, long and deep. <laughs> and your current one, your newest one, is Blasted to Static. Correct. And when I heard that name, I was thinking it was going to be a grindcore band. <laughs> Man, and when boy, you was hear, I wrong. When you hear where it comes from, it's so not that. It's 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 kind of it's actually really funny where where the name came from and i had the name six months probably prior to meeting Stu, uh and um i uh have a daughter who is going to college just now graduated and she uh she always says dad tell me rock and roll stories because she she's going to college for (laughs) for uh photojournalism and uh sociology and all sorts of things but she's uh hopefully going to be working for dc records as you know uh, doing interviews and doing uh photos so um so she always wants to hear all the old rock and roll stories priest stuff whatever it is racer x surgical steel you know ufo all these crazy things I've, i've been through so i decided to take her way back and i said well you know when i was 12 years old and just you know I'd been playing drums since I was nine, eight or nine. And, uh, my first girlfriend bought me the, um, bought me, uh, the first black Sabbath or second black Sabbath album, which is a paranoid album. And mm-hmm. I had it in my cassette player and, and we're not talking a Walkman here. We're talking a big IOA cassette player <laughs> with a big fat speaker, you know, the kind and I was a paper boy. So it's in my paper bag. I got 75 papers in there, 75 customers. And the thing's on 10, tones on 10. It's just a, it's a rumbling mass of destruction. You, no one but me knows what's being played because I've heard it so many times. And I just wanted it all the way up because it was metal. Mm-hmm. So uh, one morning after, a, you know, a, a Sunday where you have to uh, deliver them really early, 530 in the morning, uh, I come into work for to pick up my papers after school on a Monday, and the shack captain calls me over. He goes, Martin, come over here. You're fired. I go, what did I do? You know, pimple-faced little metalhead kid. He goes, <laughs> some lady called me up at 530 in the morning and said, tell that kid to turn that crap down. He's got it blasted to static. So so this <laughs> this band is named after the first time I was fired, but the love of a little metalhead to have, he's got to have it on 10, you know, all That's the time. Awesome. So it comes from a real place, you know, that, that is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and your voice is so distinct that as soon as I started it, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I know what yeah, this there is. It is. There it is. Yeah. I got my, you know, it, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot can happen when you just want to do something so bad. <laughs> Doesn't mean I was the greatest singer in the world, but I just, you know, I come from a lot of different places in, in my singing, uh, to, to make the sounds I make. And, and I have to, I've had to learn how to do them more correctly. So I don't blow myself up. Cause you know, mm. I almost wonder how screamo guys and you know, what, what I call cookie monster guys, uh, how they do it night after night. And then, you know, I hung out with a few of them and they're not doing it that loud. They're almost right. making a Donald duck voice, you know? Um, so there's some things I've had to learn, you know, for uh, oddly enough, the higher, the higher screechier stuff, the almost painkiller voice that I'd use, that's the easiest voice I have. Um, hmm. It's 
trying to sing journey songs is really hard for me because he sings, <laughs> he sings in a place that's like my gray area. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, my first love to be a singer was Tom Jones and then the Beatles and then, you know, on and on. Then we got into, you know, harder stuff started poking up and I loved Uriah Heep with David Byron and of course Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. And then when I heard Rob Palford, that was it. I was still a drummer at that point. And that's when I wanted to be a singer after I heard Rob's voice and, mm. uh, you know, just tried to learn how to do what he's doing. And uh, then I got to meet him and be best friends with him for quite a while through the eighties from, uh, not too, well, actually they would just got back from Florida. I think, uh, from doing the screaming for vengeance album when I met him and I was singing for the first time from out behind my drum set with a band called surgical steel in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's in the audience, just crazy stuff. But, um, yeah, that's, that's where, uh, that's where all my stuff comes from anyway. But, you know, I've been able to hone it down a little uh, a little more. You know, back in the 80s, I didn't want to listen to anybody, other singers for a while. Um, mm. Especially when I got into Racer X, I kind of wanted to just, I didn't want to be, uh, 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 take on too much of, of other singers and just be pigeonholed, you know. So I decided... Right to try to stay away. But, you know, now, uh, <clears throat> lately in the last 10 years, I have a fun band up here in Lake Tahoe where I live called Fortress. And we do, uh, we do all the Sabbath stuff. We do all the Iron Maiden stuff. And, you know, I never sang a lot of Iron Maiden back in the day. So it's teaching me some new stuff, some new cool stuff to do. So. Hmm. I, whenever I hear your voice, it always seems to me like you're, you're powerful, but restrained. Like if you were about to just let it loose, it would just destroy everything. Yeah. You know, um, uh, working with Paul a lot in the studio, Paul Gilbert, he was with Mr. Big, of course, and their manager, um, and he, his uh, name slips my mind right now, but he, he's a musician himself and he was known as probably the loudest singer in the studio. And I'm, I'm second. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty guttural. I, I get it out there, you know? And, um, but yeah, you know, I'm doing that more now. You, you got to learn how to hold back a little bit and focus your, your notes kind of like, uh, Queensryche. I mean, uh, Jeff Tate, he's just, uh, he's, he's a defined opera singer really that's doing metal stuff. I mean, he, he knows all the, the tricks and the three voices and the mask, head tone, chest tones, um, and to try to go all the way down. Because, you know, when you're singing, you don't use the same voice that you do in a in a high E that you would down the scale somewhere. You, you know, where, where I'm talking right now is a different voice than when I would be singing higher. It, it all comes from a different place. It feels completely different. So if you're trying to do... Uh, Robert Plant, the end of uh, I got you in the side of my girl. You know, when he goes all the way up that mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Th there's different places that you change your muscles and a new group of muscles have to take over. And you can't let that flip. You, you, you would almost hear a pop in your voice as those things flip through there. And that's the real trick with really good singers is you never hear 
you never hear that uh, that changeover. You know, they're, they're just uh, some great people out there. I, I'm trying to be one still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you're up there, definitely. Thank you. I mean, from the first moment I heard you in Racer X, I was just like, wow, this guy's awesome. Well, you know, one thing I think I, that hooked me in with Paul and the reason I got that job is I always tried to build some good melody lines within heavy metal uh, music, you know, not just machine gunning one, one or two notes and scatting around and stuff. You know, Paul and I are real big Beatles fans because that's where we came from, so... And that's Beatles is all about melody. So um, it's one of the things I love to do is just find some kind of a melody line that's really, really memorable. You know, you uh, you can you'll be someday you'll hear it in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. But you know what I'm saying? You know, it's it's memorable enough to where you, you, you could hum it as you're skipping down the street or something. I, I, I can at any point at random have like the melody from you singing and you've gone too far. Just oh, pop yeah. Right, right. I mean, but yeah, the Racer X stuff was very memorable and I think it was partially because of your voice. No, well, that's, that's awesome. And you know what? Some people are actually coming out since this album has come out on the 27th have, have said that. And that really makes, and, and being surrounded by some of the greatest musicians. I mean, look where everybody's at. I mean, Scott Travis is the longest running drummer in Judas Priest. Now, Paul is just amazing at anything he does and all the different kinds of music he does. And then, uh, John is with Mars Volta and a, and a host of really neat and artsy bands. And, you know, when, it was kind of hard when we were live. It was like this, it was like this three ring circus going on, you know, and I had to try to keep up with these guys, you know, cause they were so good at their, their instruments. So to have people now say that, you know, a lot of the sound actually comes from, you know, my melody, my voice and, uh, you know, um, most of the people and, and, and ju- this has just happened in, in, in the last few years, I've been stopped at NAM show, uh, which is a national Academy of music merchants. It's a huge music convention. It's probably the biggest music convention in the world. And, you know, guys from falling in reverse, five finger death punch, uh, avenge sevenfold. will come up. Are you Jeff Martin? You're Jeff Martin. Oh, they're freaking out. I'm going, dude, you're multi-platinum. I'm, I'm just a duck here, you know, and it's amazing <laughs> that, you know, and, and what has come, come down to is, um, you know, we, if you're talking about the blues, you know, muddy waters and, and some of these, uh, you know, uh, Robert Johnson and some of these guys are the godfathers of that music. And when it comes down to shred and, and that style of music, Racer X is kind of the godfather of a whole genre of music, which really makes me feel good, you know? I mean, yeah, Paul sure. doesn't like the word shred for for his style of guitar playing because there's there's so much more to it than just shredding to him because he's coming from a lot of classical stuff that it's, it's not just, uh, you know, raking an onion across a, a cheese grater or cheese in, as a matter of fact. But, um, yeah, yeah. So that, that whole thing just recently is, has really struck me and how many bands that are huge right now are just so into racer X. But in saying that 
it's mostly guitar players that are freaking out. It's not singers. <laughs> and they're going, well, you know, I had to learn all these guitar parts and your voice was in the way. <laughs> but they got used to it, you know. So, But to hear somebody actually say that, uh, you know, it is a big part of it is, is very uh, one of the nicest things that anybody could say, really. And I have not done any other vocal. I d- I've done my own solo album. I've done little thises and that's with people, but I just could not find. Uh, and I believe me, I get a lot of tapes from really great guitar players a lot, and I couldn't find anybody I meshed with. Me and Paul just write together really well. I can come up with melodies and directions and, and stuff with him very easily. But when I met up with Stu, which I met up with him through uh, Bruce Bouguet. He was doing some online uh, online uh, chat thing where you get uh, guitar instruction and, you know, you Skype it. And um, Stu does these albums every year. Stu Marshall, he's the guitar player in Blasted Static, by the way. He's from Sydney, mm-hmm. Australia. And um, he says, well, can you get a hold of Jeff Martin for me? Because... Uh, uh, I've got uh, these albums I do, and uh, they're called Empires of Eden, and he's done three of them now, and he's had Udo and a host of great singers. He just gets all his favorite singers <clears throat> and does these albums. And uh, he paid me a bunch of money, and I, I I wrote, like, a couple songs, and he gave me, like, six more because he was going to do a solo thing. And by the time I was through two of them, I just called him up and said, dude, uh, I'm meshing with you. you. Listen to this. I sent it to him. And he immediately said, this is not a project. Let's make a band. So, nice. you know, Blasted Static is actually a real band. We're not looking as, as doing a project on this thing. I mean, we're trying to get on the uh, on a leg of the tour with Steel Panther and hmm. uh, get out and push this thing. So, um, yeah, it was all in the writing. And, and I just write with, with his music uh, really great. And uh, my whole thing with writing with the guitar players, I love getting music and, and what they put to what they see as a song. I can re-edit it into what I need for verses and choruses. But I have hundreds and hundreds of titles. I'm always, you know, somebody says something, I go, stop. You know, I got to type it in my phone, you know, because I need to keep <laughs> these little sayings and these little titles like Blasted to Static. Which my daughter said, what a great, what a great name for a song. And I said, no, what a great name for a band. But um, so I just listened down to the music and I just uh, keep listening and keep listening and go through my my titles. And as soon as one title just sticks with the music, it'll it'll just hit me like a like a bell ringing. And uh, from there, it's done. You know, I'll, I'll get it pretty quickly once I find a title that really sounds like the song. And uh, so that's that's how that works. And that's how, you know, I got hooked up with Stu. And then Stu had Clay T, which is a, a really good session studio drummer in Sydney, Australia. And then, of course, I got my buddy uh, Rev Jones from msg we were in msg together did a couple albums and he's toured with michael for quite a while and we just recently did some uh leslie west stuff which was cool talk about playing with a a huge idol and um so there you have it and and uh you know uh it's kind of fun having a band with two guys in america and two guys in australia (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's kind of worldly you know we're trying to figure out how the how the flag's gonna look you know 
<laughs> <laughs> so do you do you uh, rehearse over Skype together? We don't rehearse at all. We just write this. We just hmm. did. Um, we just did some shows this last last January. They flew down here for Nam, and uh, we did a show at the Whiskey a Go Go, and we did a few other shows around my area, down by Reno, Nevada, and up here in Lake Tahoe. And our main concern was just getting together and playing. And we had one day to rehearse before we did the show at the Whiskey. It was it was. It was fun. It was like a roller coaster. You know, when you get musicians like these guys, you can just, everybody does their homework. And when you get together and play, it's just done, you know. There may be a little, why don't you do this, or let's try to do this differently, or whatever. But um, I really like doing that, you know. I, I've been with some bands where we just beat beat the ragged horse, you know, and just pra- over-practiced. And you over-practice out the spontaneity of of uh, what a song could magically become on stage, you know. And obviously it could be a train wreck. <laughs> but, oh, sure, yeah. But uh, I think Cream was the best band to say that because they, uh, they just didn't rehearse that much, but they jammed a lot. You know, and that's what their their whole thing was about. And and that happened in Badlands too. We were a jam band. I mean, there was a there was a couple songs, uh, Rumbling Train, one of them, and uh, oh, I can't re- I can't remember. We had two two or three songs where we wanted it to be like the song remains the same. You know, it could be something different every night, bringing it up, bringing it down. Could be fifteen minutes, could be twenty five. You know, and that kind of magic that can happen when you play with guys that you know how they play and where they're going to go when you hear a certain lick. I know, oh, I know which way he's traveling. I, I know where he's heading. I'm going to walk <laughs> down the path with him, you know? And, uh, that's where real music magic can happen. So, and we're planning on doing a couple things like that. You know, we're, we're obviously doing our blasted to static songs, but we're also doing some racer X, might do uh, something off my solo album, which I've had Michael Shanker on and, and Russ Parrish is on that as well. And Russ Parrish from uh, Steel Panther, by the way, he's Satchel and Steel Panther. He uh, he played uh, on Repossession of Nothing on this album. Now, th- this album is, it starts out really intense. You have a couple of mellower songs on it. Yep. Um, but the whole thing, I mean, every song has its own distinct identity. Yeah, I think so. It- I think so. You know, again, Stu and I, and and where the band's name came from, which is Black Sabbath, um, me and Stu got talking about our favorite albums and our favorite eras and all this stuff. And I go, dude, wouldn't it be great to to do an album like they used to do when when you would hear the Masters of Reality uh, by Black Sabbath or Sad Wings of Destiny by Judas Priest or the first Queen album? where they have two songs that are just heavy as hell, and then all of a sudden they just give you a sonic palate-cleaning break, you know? And you get you get uh, The Last Rose of Summer by Priest, or you'll get uh, Changes, uh, mm-hmm. Planet Caravan by, you know, they just had these little palate cleaners in there. And then a heavy song would come in again and just knock the crap out of you all over again. It's just, it made such a a listenable album. It made an album that you wanted to, if you started the first song, even if you had a favorite song on the album, 
you'd play it and okay, I'm going to the top. I got to hear the whole album because <laughs> it all sounds like it belongs together, even though there's so many different. You know, it's it's a roller coaster ride. There's dips and there's places where there's straightaways where you can catch your breath and and we really wanted to do that. We wanted it not per se to to be a Black Sabbath album because our style, even though we love Black Sabbath and Priest and all these bands, but um, chemically speaking, we wanted it to be put together like that. And and uh, people are getting that, which is making me once again really happy that 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 uh that's coming across to people and you know of course we're we're getting really great write-ups but we'll get the the odd guy who goes well you know they're all great players but the songs are terrible and you know but of course then you hear what he likes and he's like you know it's it's Mm. it's cookie monster or it's screamo or it's it's something that's, you know, he's got to have it yeah. on 10 all the time sort of character. And that's not right. where we're going with this, you know. There's more to there's want, more to be said. You want the dynamics in exactly. there. Um, what is this? How is this released? Is this independent? Now, this is on Metalopolis Records out of Germany. And that says it all out of Germany because they are, we're, we're on vinyl um, they're really doing a great job. We're on Spotify, iTunes. Um, the artwork is fantastic. Uh, they did a digipack, which is, you know, a three fold CD. And I'm always involved in the artwork. I mean, I've been involved with racer X artwork. I've been involved with the badlands. I did the CD artwork for voodoo highway. Um, uh, I've done something on everything, but I, Worked. My daughter is the cover girl on this one. I don't know if you've seen huh. it yet, but she is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's a she's a little workout fiend. So she's got. And if there's a mosh pit nearby, look out because she's in the middle of it, and she's kicking <laughs> all the guys out of the way. And she's she's just she's no more than five one. You know, she's a tiny little thing, but she's a she's more metal than I'll ever be. <laughs> it's pretty amazing how it you know how uh, the nut doesn't fall far far from the tree, but this tree is growing bigger than me. <laughs> nice. Um, does she does she play any music? Not really. I mean, she was into bass. Flea, Flea gave her a bass um, from his company, um, and she started thumping around on that. But, you know, her, her heart really is in into writing. She's a really great writer. And she's a fantastic photographer. I mean, I did all the photography for her, which is all green screen. And then we sent it to a fella in uh, New York who did the rest of it and uh, did did the backgrounds and all that stuff. But she coached me on, you know, we set up the camera. She coached me and and uh, she did a lot of the live pictures of us, too, and some studio stuff. So she's really, really good. So. Uh, I think she's, and she's going in the right direction. You know, anybody who's making money in this business isn't making the music. <laughs> they're they're either covering it or they're <laughs> they're doing something other than than you know what we're doing. So yeah, sadly. Yeah, sadly, but truly, yeah. Um, Hence, that's so- why I'm here. People buy this thing so we can do another album. I mean, we're already writing material for the next album. Good and. Um, Rev is going to be really involved with this and his ideas. I, I don't know if you've heard my solo album, but there's a couple songs on there that Rev 
uh, help write with me, uh, one called Till the Sun Burns Away. And just the, the odd time signatures, but still keeping the groove. Really great stuff. And I think we'll, we'll have a little bit more of that with him. And his singing is just ridiculous. So we're going to have a little more of him and I singing together, maybe a Coverdale Hughes sort of thing, you know, because we both nice. are a little bit different. And, you know, he's been with Steelheart uh, touring for quite a while and did some of the uh, uh, some of the studio stuff. And Mealy is just one of the most fantastic singers. I mean, that guy has got uh, what I call just like Klaus Mine or uh, – I, I hate to say it, uh, Don Dockin, but because uh, he doesn't really have that voice. I did a tour with him, um, unfortunately. But um, they have that mask <laughs> voice, you know. They have that really amazing uh, front of their face that they can sing through and just care. You know, the, the sound is just unbelievable, and it's really hard to do. Um, and Mealy's one of those guys. So Rev has been picking up on that. And uh, we actually, I'm doing a a project with Rev where I'm playing drums fully and he's, he's doing all the vocals and he wrote all the songs and the, the, the songs are like Mr. Big meets Frank Zappa or, huh. but something, it's crazy cool stuff. I can't wait for it to come out. And the guitar player, his name is Jim Dolfa and he's out of, he's maybe 30 miles from where Paul grew up, Paul Gilbert. And I swear to God, he sounds like an early, like, when I first met Paul Gilbert, Paul Gilbert. So it's really fun, neat stuff. And, you know, there again, that's just something we're doing as, as, a, as a project, just to get the IAS out and, and get something cool going on that we can play at NAMM show or something, you know, keep our, right. keep our uh, people that give us free drums and free guitars happy. Um, did, did you have bad experiences playing with Don Dockin? Well, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's too bad because I love the music and, you know, I've played with, you know, a lot of really great people who all love my drumming and stuff, but I just could not please those guys to save my mm -hmm. life. And let, let's face it. I mean, uh, I love, uh, Mr. Brown and, and his, his, his drum drumming in all the, all the dock and stuff, but you know, it's not the hardest stuff to play. You know, I've, I've played much, much harder music, but they said that I had no meter <laughs> was one of their things but they were changing it one one or two clicks every day I, you know i think they were just so used to their drummer that they just uh they just couldn't get used to what i what i was putting down but um yeah you know uh i i had worked the whole set out with the guitar player which is john uh levine john levin Levine, Levin, whatever, whoever he's got, he's a, he's a lawyer, guitar player. I think he was with, I don't think Man of War, but with somebody else. Uh, you know, I was there, I I played. I was on the road for a month with him. It took him a month to finally fire me. But um, <laughs> John wanted me to play everything really laid back and and uh, mm. you know keep it in the pocket and the groove. And I, I've got John Bonham's rings tattooed over my heart, and they're there for a reason. Because that's what I cut my teeth on playing. I know how to lay something back. I know how to push a verse and then lay back in the chorus or vice versa. Whatever you want, you know, I, I've got that capability. And I play with a rhythm watch, which is a, a, 
a device made by uh, Tama where you preset the meters and then you just hit the button to start the song and there's a light that flashes and I just keep an eye on the light. You know, I don't try to pay too much attention to it, but I can tell whether or not I'm speeding up or slowing down. But long story short, I did all these rehearsals and then Don walked in for like one half of a rehearsal or whatever. And we did a live broadcast on a radio station. He seemed to love that. And then we did one show in El Paso, Texas. And after the show, he comes back practically throwing beer cans at me. And she goes, what the (laughs) hell are you doing? This is docking. It's got to be anticipated. It's got to be cabaret. And I go, well, I don't know where you were for the last couple of weeks, but I was rehearsing with your guitar player and you want everything laid back, you know? So, <laughs> oh, it was just nightmarish. You know, here you, you and, and the guy, we were opening up for, for Poison and all the guys in Poison were just the biggest sweethearts. I was riding motorcycles with Ricky and, and I, we were just getting on great and every show okay don wants you to this song he wants that two clicks back uh you know and i don't know if you play and you work no. with a metronome two click i'll 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 give you a thousand bucks if you you can tell me what two clicks back from a in a, in a meter is from you know from the, whatever the meter was previously it's really hard to discern it's such a small amount that who gives, I was just going to say the F word. <laughs> and I realized where I was, but that's what it is. You know, um, nobody ever told Bonham to do any of that stuff. He just felt his way through songs. And that's what I'm good at doing. That's why I got the gig with Badlands. Cause that's the kind of band that was, it was a blues rock based band that wanted a drummer who had feel kind of, I I'm really into a new band right now. Um, they're called rival Sun and their new album, hollow bones, just fantastic, fantastic stuff. And that's what I'm good at doing, playing like that. What's, uh, in all these different bands you've been in, what, what would you say was one of the weirder things that's ever happened to you? Oh, I got a doozy. You sitting down? <laughs> Hold sure. On, hold on. Let me take a sip of my uh, Maker's Mark and Cola here. Hold on. Yeah. There's the ice. Um, I was in, uh, I think it was, I think it was Thanksgiving 2000. I was on tour with UFO. And this was a period of time where Michael Shanker was taking a, a mascara pencil and putting a little cross on his forehead. <laughs> And he, he said it was his third eye. And, you know, whatever, you know, you're into different spiritual things. I, I get it, you know. Later on, he mm-hmm. had a tattooed on there, but now it's gone you know, huh. for whatever the reasons. And he's doing great now. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. But um, they had these weird, um, and, and it only comes from being in a band for decades and having stuff happen, you know, uh, where you get into fights because somebody did this or that or whatever, but they 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 did not have uh, the same dressing rooms together. They had uh, parameters they could not pass. No one drove together. None of that stuff. Uh, I was on a bus with with Pete Way and uh, the other guys. Just in in Europe, we were playing in Europe, so they they played every place so many times they just drove themselves you know they they had their own little bus or what i I don't even remember what they had but oddly enough um one night it was thanksgiving night i think 2000 and we were playing 
I want to say Manchester, England. Um, and uh, Spike was there from the Choir Boys, and he is—he was walking around. He had a cast on his leg, uh, walking around with a cane. And I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Spike was was uh, uh, Phil Mogg's nephew or something like that. So they're hanging out together, and you got this big ballroom for the backstage. You know, chandeliers, the whole nine yards. And um, Michael decided to. Uh, break through the door and go in there and start crap with spike and before you know it i, I was on the bus all of a sudden i heard spike just hit shanker <laughs> like what <laughs> so we go in there and big fight ensued and and uh he had bipped michael right in the eye and Michael went running off into the night. I'm only setting up the good story, so hang on. Uh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, we're going, oh, oh, hell, Michael's gone. He ran off into the night. He's probably trying to get a plane back to Phoenix, Arizona, or whatever it is he's doing. And, um, you know, no one has heard from him. So anyway, next night comes. I think that the next night might be Manchester. Um but anyway, it's well documented, and it's in the new. Uh, there's a new uh, big uh, rock book biology anthology thing on UFO, and the whole story's in there. Um, we decided to set up the whole stage, and we heard that Michael was milling around the area uh, in that town, and he, that he actually showed up, and we didn't know if he would actually come and play. So anyway. Um, get on stage everything's set up they, they said that michael was there and he and I'm, i guess he's going to come out on stage so the uh intro music is playing and all of a sudden i see michael wander out and there he is and he's smiling he's got this gigantic smile on his face and he walks right up to my bass drum and he drops his glasses down and no i'm not kidding you the biggest bologna sandwich for an eye you've ever seen. Like if you went to a magic shop and bought one of those fake black eyes, uh-huh. it would pale. It, this thing would just <laughs> knock it, knock it out of the park. And on Michael's forehead where the cross used to be, he wrote spike did this and an arrow to his eye. <laughs> And the first three songs went out went off without a hitch. They were great. And I'm going, wow, we made it. I can't believe it. These guys are crazy. I'm just, you know, enjoying being up there playing with legends, you know. And whatever pain pills, and he had a couple beers, whatever those were that just kicked in, <laughs> kicked in about the third song. And he started trying to run full force into Phil Mogg with his flying V, with the head of it, stabbing him. <laughs> I mean, not just trying to do it a little bit, a lot. And here's Pete Waite trying to still play the, and we're still playing the songs, by the way. And, (laughs) and, and Pete Waite holding him back, like leaning into him and still trying to play. And at one point, I think between songs, Michael grabbed the microphone just in his teeth while still holding the guitar in both hands. And he had it. He had the microphone in his mouth, like he goes, "You know this guy, Phil Wog. He sucks." <laughs> <laughs> and the whole crowd is going, "Shanka wank." I, you know, looking back, it's funny now, but at that time, I was just going, "Oh, this is just, you know, you think about all these people that just paid their hard money to see this show, and 
Yeah. And they're seeing this and, you know, push comes to shove. They'll probably remember this show more than one of the good ones. <laughs> True. But we made it through the whole damn show, but that was it. You know, after that one, Phil just said, I'm done. I'm out of here. And the thing is, is the next night was London at the biggest places. I was going to, you know, I was going to be on stage playing lights out in London, in London. And I was the next thing I knew I was flying back home. But anyway, you know, those were the some of the dark days for Michael. Now he's just he's freaking fantastic. He looks like a kid right. again. He's playing better than he ever has. Um, you know, whatever problems he had, he beat he beat them like you know, not like not so many guys in the rock you know rock industry can do, and they're all underground now. Yeah. So I'd rather have him on ground playing great, and he is. So God bless what, him. What? <laughs> he's gonna punch me in the mouth one of these days when he <laughs> he's going. That's not what happened. <laughs> well, you weren't really, well, where you weren't really there, bro. <laughs> in, 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 fair enough. In contrast, what would you say one of your best memories playing live is? Mm. Oh, I got that one too. I got to do, you know, I got to do a lot of solo albums with Paul Gilbert. Um. And in doing that, you know, there was other things, you know, because he's so um, he was so uh, connected to MI and all the the music teaching colleges throughout the world. There was an MI in um, in Japan, and I don't think it was called MI, but it, it it's you know the same sort of thing. It's a rock college for uh, kids to go to and pay a bunch of money and learn how to how to be rock stars. Or at least play like one. And um, we got to do with Paul Gilbert. It was Paul, Mike Suter, and I. And uh, Paul said, let's just do all Hendrix songs. (laughs) Okay. I mean, uh, that's you're talking about Jimi Hendrix and Mitch Mitchell. That's what I really cut my teeth on. Ringo made me want to play the drums. Mitch Mitchell made me want to play the drums good. Mm. And... um, so we got to do those at all these different colleges, but one show we got to play the Tokyo Civic and Stevie Wonder was opening up for us. <laughs> and here I am right before, you know, our show, I got to stand at the monitor thing, uh, the monitor uh, uh, cabinets with Stevie Wonder right there singing his, his butt off and getting to hear the guy, you know, give him, hey, hey. Stevie, your your pants are kind of coming down. Pull them up. You know, you could just hear the little prompts from because you couldn't see anything. So, but uh, when we got on stage, it was just, oh man, it, it, we were so good, and it, I just felt like I was in the experience. You know, Paul was playing so good, and I I was just riffing like Mitch, and it was just one of those amazing you never want to get off stage experience. You know, you, you just uh, Everything, all the planets lined up just right. All my rudiments were just coming off. I was playing note for note. You know, we're doing if a six was a nine and and Axis Bulls is love. You know, the, the more off brand Hendrix songs that, you know, you normally don't hear guys play. And it was just fantastic. Wow. And then I won't tell you what happens backstage, but that was good, too. <laughs> Actually, I met Claude Knobs backstage, and he was the one putting that show on. And I got had to get a picture with him. He was the guy that uh, Funky Claus was running in and out 
you know, from Smoke on the Water, he he was uh, he was uh, Deep Purple's original manager, and you know, he was the guy pulling people out of uh, that terrible fire during Smoke on the Water. You know, that kind of that kind of rock and roll history, the real stuff. Mm. He showed me his scars. Bam. <laughs> um. All right. So the new project is blasted to static. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's available everywhere you might want to look. Spotify. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it uh, iTunes. Uh, if you want to get, and, and I would suggest getting the hard copy because the artwork is just fantastic. And of course, you'll have all my lyrics there and all that, all that stuff that I painstakingly put together. Um, that you can get. Just go to blastedtostatic.com and you'll get all the links. Uh, to, to where, you know, you can get that, buy that, um, you know, either through eBay, uh, not eBay, but Amazon. And, um, yeah, you can just go Amazon too, but they have a lot more links there. And then of course they're in various music stores, but I'm not sure they're not telling us, they're not giving us a list. I doubt they're in Kmart's, <laughs> but you never know. I could be that big. Yeah. Finally that even, big. Are there even Kmart's left? Yeah, there's one up here. Yeah. Huh. yeah, there's one up here. Well, Target. How about Target? There you go. Target. <laughs> there you go. Target. Walmart. Target. <laughs> Walmart. Well, might... Wally World. Might... Uh, all right. Um, anything else people should know? Anything else they should be looking out for? Well, you know, uh, I just did another Blindside Blues Band album, uh, which I've done a ton of those right after badlands went down i I started doing a a few of those and then ainsley dunbar from journey took my place in that band for a while and now i'm back and and it's kind of blues rocky and pretty pretty darn cool so look out for that too but mainly just try to uh try to pick up the album i think you'll like it if you liked all those great albums as i mentioned from you know the mid 70s early to mid 70s um I don't think we're a 70s sounding band. We tried to, you know, meld it with today, but uh, still it's got my 80s. It's got all of it. Let's put it this way. It's an alphabet soup of all our bands. And there's a lot of bands we've all been in. So you're going to get pleads somewhere along the line. So just try to pick it up. It's a fantastic record. It really is. Thank you. And and I'm very grateful it's not a grindcore record. Yeah. All right. Okay. And and one one last challenge for you. Okay. Can you name every band you've been in? Whew. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just right. say that? Well, if I, you know, I I would like to go as far back as all the bands I've been in. You know, even the bar bands. That would be fun. But I I you know I need to sit down and do that someday. You never yeah. I, I can't even list, name all I'm the sure. albums I've done. I've, I'm, uh, I mean, I've done so many. I played with Pat Travers and uh, George Lynch. I did an album. I did an album with, uh, uh, God, uh, uh, from Quiet Riot. Uh, Kevin DeBro. Yeah, Kevin DeBro. Yep. We became really good friends. Um, I still have his number on my phone, and I refuse to take that off. It just makes me feel better. <laughs> that I could possibly still call him. Um, yeah, you know, there's just so many albums and so many bands, it's really hard. You know, for a while there, I was just touring. Uh, I'd get a call and, and just go out with somebody really cool for a while, and it was great, you know. 
it's really hard. <laughs> it's a hard one. I've done a lot of cool blues blues albums actually, because because mm. of my love of uh, you know '60s and, and '70s blues rock. So and, and that's where all that comes from. So, but that nice. that's where a hard could... one. You stumped me. I, and <laughs> you know what? There's some kids that you know walks up to me and he'll tell me all of them, and I'll go, "Hold on, I'm writing this down." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um. Are you? Where can people find you online if they want to follow what you're doing? Well, uh, probably just blastedstatic.com. I'm keeping everything as one. You know, I have my normal Facebook page and all that kind of stuff, and I, I was doing a few other things, but I'm, I'm pretty private when it comes to that. You know, I got a lot of people who always want to friend me and stuff, but then you know. I get to see pictures of their cats and parrots, and I'm just not down with that. <laughs> and, and then I start feeling, I'm Catholic, so I start feeling guilty about not, you know, giving them a thumbs up or something. It's just, I don't need any more guilt. Um, Facebook guilt? Oh, my God. Yeah, so, yeah, just just check out blastedstatic.com. There's a lot of great stuff there. I mean, you know, we're all on Wikipedia. You can always... Find out that you you know I need to go look at Wikipedia uh, and find out more about myself. Actually, blasted to static is not yet listed on your Wikipedia page. Oh well, so you might want to fix that. Well, they're they're waiting to see if it actually if actually anybody likes this record. I guess. <laughs> oh, we're not going to talk about that one. That was a, that was a blurb. <laughs> That was like, that was like Bill uh, Murray's that, that was like Bill Murray's Garfield. Oh. <laughs> no, this record is excellent, Jeff. Great, great. I appreciate it. Well, that's all it's, that's all I can ask for, you know, is leave 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 something cool behind is always cool. Whether it makes a lot of money, we could all all try, but uh, you know, yeah. push comes to shove, there's a lot of songs on there that mean a lot. Uh you know of what I'm trying to get at and say, and and uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, just writing songs about hoes and bitches, you know. <laughs> right, right. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave right, that to for, I'll leave that to others. Thanks for spending so much time with us tonight. Hey, thank you, and I really appreciate it. <laughs>